what in the hell were you thinking? You guys made me crazy with this cool hop <laughs> or chill hop or whatever it is. Oh my God, was that awful. <laughs> what? That was the worst music I've ever heard in my life. It goes in and out of tune. There's all these micro stops in the music where like the the, the whole thing goes like blank. I, I listened, I tried, I wanted so badly to be cool. I wanted so badly to like the cool music. I barely made it through five minutes. I was irritable. I was jumpy. I was <laughs> I was twitchy. Wow. This music had the worst effect on me. I had to go back to Charleston music. <laughs> 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 yeah, no kidding. Five foot two, eyes of blue. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> I love the idea of you hanging in there, trying so hard to be cool. I wanted so badly to like them. It it so much seemed like something that would be great, and it just made me irritable. That is fascinating to me. It just, it literally pissed me off. (laughs) Not only did did I click off of it, but I went and I erased my browser history because I didn't ever and mistakenly go to it again. Wow. Oh, man, I can't... Nuclear option. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I really didn't like it. <laughs> I tried. What I did was I decided from the sample that I wouldn't like it and just didn't try. Now, that what makes me feel better. with you guys? That makes it's me so feel good. good. You, know, you know what the problem is here. Uh, we need jazz. Wait. Ten minutes of slow jazz. Go. <laughs> Okay, we should talk about the topic for this week because there's we're 40 minutes in and we haven't even fucking addressed it yet. I know. I think it's great. <laughs> we do. Well, we listen, do. last that, all, that whole front part is is a Patreon extra. Fucking a, oh, it is. It, listen, if you want to hear what we just talked about, you're gonna have to become a patron because that's a 40 minute episode right there. Yep. Uh, with no beginning and no ending, it's just the middle part is all you're gonna get. Because- <laughs> Don't wrap it up at all. (laughs) Just the middle. Okay. So last week we did our recommendations for 2018 and we got a ton of comments back, which drove us to this next episode. And I want to jump into this episode because of all the comments, there, there were two or three that were very contentious, but one of them is time sensitive because convention season is about to start again. We had a lot of questions about conventions Mm -hmm. because last week Brad said, don't go to any conventions. I said, cut a couple of conventions. And Scott said, fuck you both. (laughs) That he did. No, that's not what I said. (laughs) He mostly said, fuck me. But that one. (laughs) I I said, fuck you to, to you, Corey, because you were like, you should get rid of one con. And I've been trying to tell you we should do less cause and you're always making me feel bad for suggesting it. Our show schedule is pretty tight for who we are and what we do. It, it really is. We do five to six shows a year and that seems like a lot. But for us, I think that's pretty tight. I think we could go to as many as 12 or 15 shows a year, but I don't want to do that. I used to do that at, at my previous job, and I don't want to do that again. It's very hard. Going to a show every month is very difficult. Mm-hmm. I believe it was Brad that said he wanted to do less of these fracoctacons. <laughs> <laughs> So to try to address whether or not you sh- you as a creator should be going to shows, I want to open with what the state of conventions is in 2018, because it's much, much different than it was even a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Yes, very. Previously, conventions in the creative industry were almost entirely centered around comic books and then to some extent pop culture. And now you've got conventions or depending on your industry, they might be called trade shows 
for just everything. Yeah. I mean, there there are conventions for comics, for My Little Pony. For podcasters. Yeah, for My Little Pony, for there's DragCon, there's Star Wars know, Fan Fest. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but in New Jersey, <laughs> <laughs> there is an erotic convention. <laughs> and it's called it's Exotica. <laughs> with- <laughs> We need to drop in some real uh, sultry sax music behind that. You did the voice just right. (laughs) (laughs) So because of, I think because of this, it's Mm. more than ever, I feel like it's much easier to determine whether or not you as a creator would benefit from going to one of these trade shows and and, or whether you should. Because, Brad, I think you're right, man. I don't think you need to go to trade shows. No. And, and in At fact, all. my advice, my, my advice, what I was going to uh, throw in for this section was that you might, as, as, uh, as somebody doing a comic, for example, listening to us, I would suggest not looking at a comic convention. I would suggest seeing what your comic is about and finding a convention that centers on that. Like if you're doing a, a comic that has a lot to do about parenting. You should be looking at conventions for child care, for child implements like cribs and bassinets and stuff like that. There's a hundred different uh, conventions centered on parenting themed issues. Your goal, I think, could be to be the one comic on the show floor. You know who does that really well? is Terry Blass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's an illustrator and comic artist, and he has sort of built a little following around drawing uh drag queens. Yeah, portraits from um what's the name of the show? Now it's alluding RuPaul's me. Drag Race. Yeah, from drawing RuPaul's Drag Race. So he started attending DragCon and some of these other shows uh mm-hmm. kind of built around that and he's built up a really good little following of people who are <laughs> interested in his work <laughs> because of his connections to that. And and I think Brad you hit the nail on the head, man. Yeah. I I think that if you're going to we're going to make the assumption that you're listening to this because you're interested in doing a convention mm-hmm. and and that you feel like it might be a good next step for your business or your your creativity. And I think that if you feel that way, it might be true and it might be worth checking out. And exactly what Brad said, really do your research. Yeah. Look at all the different kinds of shows. Figure out where your niche is. And it's okay if you're just like, look, I'm just a comic artist. I just make cool comic stuff. Awesome. Then pick a really cool comic show. Yeah. Go to SPX. Go to SPX. Go to TCAF. I think Emerald City Comic Con on the mm-hmm. West Coast is still – their their Artist Alley is still really good. Yeah, their Artist Alley is. So, yeah, I mean, I think the state of 2018 for conventions is – there are two kinds, in my opinion. You've got niche heavy and you've got general pop culture. The thing that's interesting about comic conventions is that centers around this fight that's happening right now around trademarking the word Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. I think it perfectly encapsulates the problem uh, that's happening right now. San Diego Comic-Con has trademarked the word Comic-Con, C-O-M-I-C-O-N. I think Comic-Con is still okay, but you can't say Comic-Con. But the the argument is so not seeing the forest for the trees, it's hilarious. Well, um, and there's there's another part to that because the federal jury just weighed in on it this December. And said that they own it. They said San Diego Comic-Con owns Comic-Con and they awarded yeah. $20,000 in damages. Mm. Yeah. If you look at the origin of the comic conventions, they started because people who are interested in comics, due to a lack of a centralized place where people could go and and discuss their love for it, started having these conventions in hotel lobbies and ballrooms, and, and some of them grew in popularity. And then comic conventions started popping up all over the place. But again, they were centered around this concept that People love comics. They want to discover new comics. They want to interact with the people that make their favorite comics. And that was what the shows were about. Then Wizard started doing their, which at the time was a magazine about comics. Mm -hmm. Right. They started their own conventions. And I think they are the ones that really started pushing the concept that you could have Bigger audiences if you brought in celebrities 
Yeah, they brought in, they started bringing in wrestlers and TV personalities and and celebrities. And what happened was the focus of these shows started being more and more about the celebrities and the opportunities to meet and get photographs with celebrities. And at first it was great. I remember the best, at the time, the best show Brad and I ever had was an Emerald City Con where Leonard Nimoy was in town. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it brought so many people in and that translated to more people coming up and saying, oh, what's this? This looks good. Tell me about your comic. Right. But in the following years, what ended up happening is no one cared that we were making comics there. (laughs) They only came for the celebrities. Well, yeah. And then then, like some of the conventions started seeing this happening so that they would they would start to build VIP packages. So you'd Mm -hmm. show up like one one of my worst years to 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 go against the Leonard Nimoy. One of the worst years was Philadelphia Wizard World when they had all five Star Trek captains, and you could yeah. get your picture taken with these guys for oh god, I forget it was it might have been upwards of about a thousand bucks. By the time people got around to me, I could see them with their mm. VIP badges around their necks. They didn't have money left over for me. <laughs> they, had, <laughs> they had spent everything on these Star Trek captains, you know? Then John Favreau and Robert Downey Jr. made Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And that started to launch the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. And once the Marvel Cinematic Universe started taking off, comic culture kind of became uh, mainstream kind of pop geek culture. Yeah, mm-hmm. mo- movies at conventions, basically. The needle flipped completely over, and comic conventions started being a place where you could take your family, your kids that were super into Captain America and the Avengers movies, walk around, maybe buy some prints, pick up some toys, see the people who made R2-D2s and go home. Mm-hmm. But no one is there to read comics. It doesn't translate the kids yeah, that I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing you know that and that is a focus of most of the bigger comic conventions is really they're making these pop culture events that are kind of weekend trips for the family and that's fine but if you're a creator who's running a small business doing anything else it doesn't help it doesn't well, translate it just it just means that's the audience right so right. yeah going into one of these shows expecting someone's on the hunt for comics and new creators you're going to be disappointed and i think that's why it's frustrating for people who put a lot of time and work into an original idea and make comics and and spend money and get them printed and then they don't sell anything but next door the guy who is illegally um, <laughs> selling prints of all the superheroes makes bank. Right. And it's not that, well, I mean, the, that guy is doing something wrong, but it's not that uh, you couldn't find a legitimate way to get the license and sell things like that and do well. It's just not what it is you want to do. And what's happened is the the culture has changed out from under you. You know, people get really upset. So, I think that's the state of the shows now is that there are very, very few shows left that are centered around people show up because they want to discover new comics. There's maybe three of them, Mm -hmm. three that are just like that. And then the additional frustrating thing about that type of show now is they tend to be more focused around indie and alternative type comics. So if you do anything kind of mainstreamy or or popular in topic, you may not even get attention at those shows because it's the opposite problem. Right. The tastes are different, right? Yeah. And you can get pissy about that too. I, I you know, I I can see myself going to an SPX and no one wants to buy my D and D comic because they got to buy the guy next to me's fucking alt comic called Meat Curtains about growing up on the mean streets of Fort Lauderdale. Um, Meat curtains because he had a he had a sad summer, no shoes for and didn't get laid and. Uh, and that's that's avant-garde. But because I'm writing about D&D, I'm not really breaking new ground. And this kind of brings us back to the whole picking the right show versus just not going. Because yeah. I think I think we've now hit to where those are your two options, right? You either got to pick the right shows or show mm-hmm. or you've got to not attend. You know, that kind of brings up the first question, which is why why you should attend a convention. Mm-hmm. Because I think there are reasons and, and not necessarily monetarily, because I think nine times out of ten for most creators at a show, 
you're going to break even or make a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. Really, the reason you should go to a show are the, the you know the old standbys. It's that it's the ancillary benefits. It's the networking and the marketing and the building your audience and you know getting a new product launched or whatever. I think for very few creators is going to a show worth the even if you make money for very few people is going to a show worth the money that they actually net at the end. Right. Well, and so let's talk about that because I do agree with you on that one. And that is if you're going to go, you're probably not going to make a lot of money. So you've got to focus on stuff like networking and promotions. So I I think you should attend a convention if you've got a bunch of merchandise that you'd like to move. Mm. If you've got existing stock that you want to sell, I think that's a, a good indication that a convention might be a good idea. Hmm. Even if it's not local? Yeah. Yeah. Even if even if you've got to ship it, I, I think you need to have existing stock. In other words, if your first thought is, what should I make to sell at my table? That should be a red flag. You should have merchandise that you're ready to, to ship and sell. Uh, you should not be thinking, what can I make so so that I can be at this convention? That's that's half the reason that when you walk up and down Alley, if, uh, uh, Artist Alley, it feels like a flea market. It's not about the con exclusive. Right. If you're saying to yourself, what can I make to make this show break even? Like, what's the new item I have to chunk out so that I can afford to go to the show? Then you probably shouldn't be going to that show. So I've been thinking about this, right? Because I was worried I wouldn't really have a lot to add to this conversation. Mm -hmm. I was really trying to ask myself, what would I say to a younger version of me Mm -hmm. about these shows? Like, what did I really get out of these shows? What is it that I want that I need? And what, what, what benefited me? And I will say that it's hard to answer that because what I got from my earliest shows in the 2000s when I was self publishing a comic through Diamond is useless advice now because I don't know that anyone makes comics like that anymore. And, and maybe it's not, but the shows are so different now. When I first started showing up at conventions, it was with a very limited stock of uh, self-printed floppy comics at a local comic convention. And it was really just kind of to get my feet wet and see what it felt like. I, I think that's still really good advice though. I think that, It was very risk averse. It was a local show. The tables were not very expensive. It was a little artist alley table. I got to talk to my neighbors who were other cartoonists that were local. It was really good for me. And I, and I added, I ended up accidentally on a panel with Terry Moore, who does the comic strangers in paradise. And at the time that was a very popular comic, Mm -hmm. but I think uh, all of that is still true. I think the big okay. should I think the big should for going to conventions has a lot to do with presence. Well, that's what I was going to say. So, I think that it, being a cartoonist and I don't care. I know that we all live in a digital age and we all talk to each other online, but it is such an isolated thing. We don't go to an office. There's no water cooler. Well, being any creator um, in this day and age, any knowledge worker, any online creator, not just comics, literally anything. Mm-hmm. Right. You're you just kind of isolated. You're just isolated. And so when you go to these shows and you can interact with other people and meet other people whose work you admire, uh, it's huge. It's important. And it, it affects your year in a positive way. Yeah. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about today in why you should go to a show is I want you to consider if you're a creator out there, Don't necessarily worry about setting up at shows. Just go. Oh, just attend like as a fan. You can attend as a creator. You can put yourself on a panel. You can, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can, but what I'm saying is talk to your friends that are going offer to help out for an hour or two at their booth. Just be present, meet people, talk to people. And I, I tell you what, if you, if you have a friend who's going to a con, and you offer to help out at their booth for an hour or two. Oh my god! Or they'll love they'll love you forever. So they can go and, get food or a coffee or go pee. Like think about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of the things is like, and we'll get into this later when it comes to etiquette. But you don't want to show up and just start inviting yourself out with people. No, don't do that. That's not what Scott's saying. But if you show up and you're like, "Hey, I see you're going to this con. I really want to attend. Do you need any help? 
I'll be there. Let me know if you need me to go make a food run. I'm not stuck at a booth. You know, I guarantee you, you'll get an invite out you right, know, to dinner yeah. or whatever. You'll meet, you'll meet other creators and you'll get to talk shop a little bit and talk shop in person. I think the big shoulds, I think we've addressed this pretty well. The big shoulds for going to convention are you should go to, I don't want to call it networking, but I want to call it some FaceTime. Like you need yeah. a little bit of FaceTime. And even if you're not networking, just see people, even people you already know. I mean, that's those are the big shoulds in that category. Get your FaceTime. Yeah. It's good presence for other creators and for your audience. If you got a ton of inventory to move, it's not a bad idea to go to a show. Mm-hmm. I think in the should not category, there's a risk assessment that, that is involved with attending these things. You should not go to a show if you're going to financially destroy yourself you mm-hmm. should not go to a show if the point of the show is to make a whole bunch of new shit you should not go to a show to make money because there are no guarantees yeah you should not go to a show because other people are going to a show and you feel like you should like there's a hundred <laughs> right. reasons to not go to a show and i think a big one too is you should not go to a show if you can't find the show for you right and that's the next thing is what's the con for you and brad you hit it man like if yeah. you're making if you're making parenting comics or if you're doing a parenting advice blog or if your YouTube series is all about how to be a parent, well, then you should really do some research into parenting conventions because they exist. Yeah, There's a convention well, for literally everything. I found two just with a very quick Google search, and I'm sure there's better uh, databases, but expodatabase.com is international database of conventions, trade shows, and expos. And you can put in a topic and see what the conventions are. Hold on a second. Touched by an angel. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) Am I the only one that likes that show? (laughs) And, you know, and I think part of finding the con for you too is being practical. Like if you've never been to a show before and there's a local show and it doesn't really cost you anything to go there. And if you meet the should category, you have product, you want a little bit of presence, you need some FaceTime and there's a local show, try it out. Yeah. I'll underline, uh, don't don't discount showing up as an attendee like you guys were no. saying. I, I showed up at PAX Unplugged and just hung out at you guys' table. And it and because there are parts of conventioneering that I really enjoy. I like the salesmanship. I like talking to people. I like hanging out. That fed all the need that I had because <laughs> I got all of that with none of the responsibility. You and know? like we were saying before, to us, that was super helpful because, you know, we could send somebody to make a food run. Yeah, you, you could, really you could say, Brad, out. cover this spot while I go pee because I really have to pee right now. Like there, <laughs> there are reasons to go outside of just to make sales. Yeah. Those are the big three, you know, why should you go? Why should you not go? And is there a con for you? And if you can answer those three questions and most of your answers end up in the positive, then there's probably a convention for you and you, and you know, you should try it out Yeah. with that. Well, let's get to the, before the show stuff. So when you decide to go to a show, you're going to go to XYZ con. And the first thing you're going to have to do is register for it. There's going to be a form you fill out. It's very cut and dry. And the form is basically just, here's how much table space costs. Most conventions, you've got two types of tables. You've got an exhibitor booth, which is usually a 10 foot by 10 foot booth. And then you've got a table, which is sometimes called an artist alley table. Mm -hmm. And the cost difference between these two is astronomical. Oh, yeah. So if you're starting out and you're new and you can get away with all of your product in eight, six to eight feet of table space, get a table. Mm -hmm. Talk to other people and see if anybody wants to split. Yeah, so, we did that for years. We we split booth space for years and years. And it worked. Yeah, I mean there were great. three or four of you at that booth, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, oh, yeah. In terms of Artist Alley, also remember that you can buy two Artist Alley tables. And there may be waiting lists for a lot of these shows. Get on the waiting list. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they're two years long. So get on there. And if you don't make it one year and you still want to go, go as an attendee. Help out. Yeah. So You've got to fill out your registration. You have to do that months in advance. So really, you know, we're already in January. You're missing out probably on Q1 and Q2 shows. If there's anything later in this year that you think you might want to go to, now's the time to start looking. Mm-hmm. So once you're, once you're registered, the first thing that's going to happen is the convention is going to send you, and this will be closer to the show, but the convention will send you an exhibitor kit. And basically what this is is a big PDF that's all the rules for the convention. Yeah. And you should really read it. And the one thing that I'm telling you, you really shouldn't skip 
is sales tax. Especially as local economies contract, these city governments are squeezing back. And one of the ways they're doing that is through making sure that they're collecting sales tax. And it is not unusual to be sitting up your table and having somebody stop at your table with a clipboard asking you for your sales tax (laughs) registration. registration, If you don't have that, I've seen it go a number of different ways. In one way, they had it set that you could sign right up on the spot. Another way, they gave you the forms and kept it on the honor system. In some cases, I've even heard about them shutting somebody down on the spot saying, you can't set up until you've covered your sales tax obligations. A lot of of shows in California will just shut you down. And, And again, this sounds scary, but it's because these conventions have gotten so big, not even kidding. Three, four years ago, you could go to a convention and never think about sales tax ever. Mm. <laughs> but that's not yeah. true anymore because people have realized how much money is being transacted at these shows and state governments and local governments, they want their cut. Right. Uh, it's Honestly, it's not that hard. Again, it's all going to be in the exhibitor kit. There'll be very clear instructions. It's usually go to a website, fill out a form. And then after the show, you're nine times out of 10, you're going to pay a flat fee. Mm-hmm. Unless you make an, an an incredulous amount of money, you're probably not going to pay the percentage. But most people are using Square now to do their transactions. So it's really easy to just plug in where you are and it'll automatically calculate the tax and you'll have your tax stuff ready to go because you read the exhibitor kit. So you're, you know, you're done. Right. In the exhibitor kit, there will also be some information about booth ordering. Every show is different and your booth or your table comes with different stuff. So we go to some conventions where when we buy a 10 by 10 booth, it comes with a table and a chair and a trash can and an electrical outlet and the whole shebang. Mm -hmm. And we go to some shows where you get a 10 by 10 booth and that's it. You get 10 foot by 10 foot of space. Then anything you don't get, you're either going to have to order, which is incredibly expensive. A table Mm -hmm. can go for as much as through them. Yeah. Right. A table can go for as much as three or 400 bucks to rent for the weekend. So, you know, but you got to do your booth ordering. And then the big one that gets a lot of people is shipping, material handling, and drayage. Yeah. And again, if you're a small creator and you can fit your entire booth in a suitcase, do it. You're going to save yourself a lot of time and energy. Disagree. Oh, you disagree, huh? Disagree strongly. And I'll tell you why. Number one, ship it to the hotel. People don't realize you can ship your stuff and get it out there early and send it to the hotel. The hotel also charges a fee. In some cases, I've done a lot of shows. The only time I've ever been charged a fee was Chicago, no matter which hotel I was in Chicago. <laughs> and they charged me enough. I, I looked at the lady at the front desk. I said, did you give my boxes a private room? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's- Chicago was prohibited. So call in advance and make sure. But I'm telling you, I've done it for free. Uh, in literally dozens upon dozens of hotels. I think it's going to have to be a buy show thing. And here's here's why you want to be careful shipping to the convention floor. When you ship to an advanced warehouse or a show floor for a mm-hmm. show, you're going to get hit with drayage mm-hmm. and material handling. Drayage is the material handling cost of all of your stuff by weight. So if you send something to a convention, they often have what's called a, a charge by carton weight. A carton weight is 100 pounds. So for every hundred pounds, you're going to get charged, you know, X dollars. It's usually about a hundred bucks. So you're getting charged a dollar a pound to go to places. Now, if you go, oh, no big deal. I've only got 20 pounds of stuff. Well, you're going to get charged one carton weight, whether you ship five pounds or a hundred pounds and you're going to get rounded up. So if you ship 110 pounds, you're going to pay for two carton weight, right? You're just getting rounded up. Yeah. So if you can ship to the hotel, if you can bring it with you on a plane, If you can ship it to a friend in the area. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. One of your biggest expenses for the show is going to be your drayage and your material handling. And again, this is all in the kit. It'll lay out all the fees for you. You can figure it out in advance. The other big expense is travel and hotel. Mm -hmm. And the sooner you book that stuff, the cheaper it is typically. Hotels have figured it out now. They know when there's a show and they jack their rates up three, four times. Sometimes the cost of a room. Same with airlines. Like they know when these shows are in town because 60, 70,000 people are flying in town and the rates go through the roof. Mm -hmm. So, you know, watch, watch the hotels, watch the airlines. You have this pro tip for booking air travel. And that is if you're like most people and you're going to one site and another site and you're booking, you know, what's the best flight to Baltimore or whatever, it, it establishes cookies in your browser. 
And those cookies will kind of nudge the prices up. So as you know, you know, I've read about this. Yeah. And as you're uh, comparing prices, those prices nudge up because they know that you were just over at Expedia looking at air travel. So do all your cost comparison and then clear your, all your browser cookies and then an make your yeah, decision. Or use an incognito window. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. I, that's that, Buy your plane tickets in a porn tab. Right. <laughs> do it that way. So that's bet, all you... That's all you're a lot more fun, at least. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's all your pre-show. That's the big stuff. Just I've got one more pre-show for you. Can I give you one more pro tip? Please, please Uh, do. This is a question everybody always asks. How much change do I bring? How much change do I bring? (laughs) Number one, bring change. Don't be that yutz that's sitting there bothering your neighbor for small bills and stuff every time you've got to make a transaction. But what what I got, and I got this from our friend Robert Koo uh, years ago, and he says, estimate 5% of what you think your sales are going to be for the weekend. So kind of say, okay, if I have an average or better than average weekend, this is how much money I'm going to make. Estimate 5% of your sales in fives and ones. And that's what you want to bring. That's pretty smart. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good rule of thumb, I think. And yeah, yeah definitely. And if you're running you. low, don't be afraid. You know, I do this all the time. You know, if somebody says, I'm going to buy that book, I just say, hey, that's great. And if you've got small bills, that helps me out a lot. Because most of the time, they're going to hand you that 20. But if they know that you're looking for fives and ones and tens, they're more than happy to clear those out of their wallet or their purse. So that's your before show stuff. The heart of this, let's get into it, is the kind of the at the show stuff. Yeah. I think we've got some good topics on here. Is there? I don't think any of this needs to come in any order. Does anybody have anything they want to just jump right into? The, the number one thing is that you want to get your your markings and your and your visuals up high. Nobody looks down. Nobody looks uh, flat at the table. You want to have a, a vertical banner stand. Uh, we've seen those in shows after shows. You know, they kind of uh, window shade down into a little uh, stand. Uh, uh, at least one, if not a couple of those. Uh, so you want to talk about table display? Yeah. <laughs> Before you dive too far into this. <laughs> oh, did, were you looking for a headline here? <laughs> He just started talking about banners, and I'm like, what are we talking about? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, table display. Yeah, Yeah. get your visuals up high. Two ways to do it typically are some sort of vinyl hanging banner. I don't recommend that. Vinyl doesn't tend to work out. Yeah. The pretty popular one right now that you're going to see nine times out of ten, really at any trade show, is like Brad is describing, a vertical uh, retracting banner. Mm -hmm. So I think about it like a... Like those old window shades that you used to pull down that when you let them go, they go. Yeah. And there's an art to designing those. You, you've designing, got to, designing vertically is hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you've got to think about it. Here's, here's what helps. Divide that vertical shape into thirds. The top third is your name or the name of your comic, something really big, something attention getting. That's the most important space. The middle third is maybe a tagline or a short short, uh, exposition blurb or something. Or an image or something. Yeah, yeah. And then the bottom third is murder confessions, secret crushes, and anything else you want to keep secret. Because nobody can see that. It's behind the table. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do not use the bottom third. (laughs) How many times have you seen a vertical banner with a bunch of stuff at the bottom and you're just like, oh, God. Why did you bother? Yeah. What people don't think about it until they get at the show and then they roll it up and then they sit down at the table and turn around and go, oh, shit, nobody can see that. Yeah. Nobody knows what's on the bottom of that banner. Yeah. So think about that. The other thing with table display is, like Brad said, going up is good. Those wire racks are really good to build little cubes to go up a little bit. I see some people do crazy PVC pipe things Mm -hmm. up over their booth Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. I will say be a good neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. There's people next to you, and if you build a five-foot-tall wire grid wall rack of whatever, and you're blocking <laughs> your people on your left and your right, that's not that's not nice. Yeah, yeah. You go <laughs> go as vertical as you <laughs> go as vertical as you want behind you, but when you're out on the table, you know you got to be a little bit respectful. You can only go so high before you're blocking sight lines. Don't you know? Don't don't be a bad neighbor. Is Dean Yagel still alive? <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was gonna. <laughs> I knew I was gonna. That's why I started laughing. You were gonna buzz me on that. <laughs> the one, oh, oh man, 
<laughs> oh my god, he was so mad. Listen, I was so tell, wrong. Tell that anecdote. Um, tell it. So we're at we're at San Diego Comic Con, and Dave and I are going in together for a booth. We've got a corner, and we're on the corner with Dean Yeagle, uh, somebody whose work I just adore. And he, and, if you don't know, Dean Yeagle is a cartoonist who's very famous for doing all of the Playboy, play, Playboy cartoons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, wonderful, and and did a bunch of Disney uh, character design, but absolutely wonderful. And uh, we had put uh, some money in what we bought was like basically musicians lighting stands. And it was this big, there two really big tripods. And then there was a grid that went across and we hung our banner from that. It was great. And it had this one little thing that stuck up and you could hang another small banner. Well, what I had done was I hung a small banner, which basically was came up over top of his banner that came behind his table, came up over that and faced out. Mm-hmm. Super, super impolite. And we, I, I yeah, cringe. That's, a, that's, a, that's a dick move. Though. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't it remember was, it being that bad. Well, yeah, it was. It was angled a little bit, but it was not. It was Brad's not good. being. <laughs> it was not. It was good. not that bad. Your booths were facing opposite directions. He was being a grumpy old man. Well, and we came to, we, we had very sharp words over it. It was the one time I've, probably the nastiest fight I've ever gotten into. Uh, now it like, uh, it, at a really? convention. With Dean Yeager? Oh, yeah, oh, we, were, we were in each other's faces over it. We were yeah. really, we got into it. it and I did, uh, I did go back and apologize later uh, and, and made it right. But uh, <laughs> yeah. the, one of the guys I respected the most and I just pissed him off like nobody's business. And then later in the show, he had like a heart attack and almost yeah, died. Yeah, they were carrying him off. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, don't be a brat at conventions. And don't argue with, Kellett, people, argue with your neighbor believe, until you try and kill him. I believe it was Kellett that went, if he dies, we're taking his boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, that plan was floated. Would that have been considered a win of the argument? <laughs> Technically, I would have he won does. that argument, yes. <laughs> The other old man at, at the San Diego show, was that the same year that Robert Culp told me to come back? Oh, God, no, that was a different show. But I, okay. I, we were, what, what show was that? Oh, it was San Diego. Was it San Diego? Okay, we're yeah, right we were over on the Robert. corner. Oh, yeah, that's when we got that booth over on the on the side yeah. aisle. And yeah, we were right next to the greatest American hero. Uh, they were you know, relaunching a comic and Robert Culp and was there. Yeah. Oh, and Robert, I, yeah. yeah. And, and and we uh, I was so excited and and we found out just how much that guy was like a perfectionist. He was he had a yardstick out measuring the banner and how it lined up with the table, and he was just really really you know right down to the micron, you know. And Scott comes up and says, "Oh, Mister Culp, I I got to tell you how much I love I Spy and you know the stuff that you've done, blah blah." And he says, "He says, what's your name, son?" And Scott goes, "I'm I'm Scott. I'm Scott Kurtz." And he says, Scott, there's going to be about 10,000 Scots in here in a little bit. Come back later. Yeah. He goes, just let it I, said, I, really, I really want to get a signature. And he goes, I don't have any of my stuff out. And I go, well, I just want to shake your hand. He goes, Scott, what's your, he goes, what's your name? I go, Scott. And he goes, great. Uh, the show's not open yet, Scott. <laughs> Come back later. Come back. <laughs> and he and did that like, little Robert Culp pause, you know, and it was just like, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> and you just kind of just slink away. Yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I'm tagging out. I think a good rule of thumb is don't break the eye line. Yeah, yeah. Be, if you, be if conscientious of your eye line. That's you a can, really good one. Yeah, and you can go the further back you get from the front of the table, the taller you can get. Absolutely. So I've seen I've seen people that at the same level as where their chair is, you know, they'll build these PVC things that go over their head. Mm-hmm. But it's but it's back. It's kind of at the back edge or behind, just behind the table so that if someone's in front of the table and looks to that person's left or right, they can still see the next person. If you right. want to build, if you want to build like a little box or a grid or something out on the table to get a little bit of height, 
do just do one. You don't want to yeah. you don't want to make it so that if you look to your right, you should see the person to your right. If you look to your left, you should see the person to your left. If you go any higher up than that, you need to back that height up. And yes. if you don't, then you're blocking an eyeline of all the other people that are in the booths and at the tables with you and you're being a Brad Geiger. I <laughs> don't be a Brad Geiger. Don't be a Brad Geiger. <laughs> yeah, and I mean Brad Geiger thing, wasn't a Brad Geiger. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, it, yeah, don't build a tower on the front corners of your table. And not only that, but like for what Corey said, you're blocking everybody else's eye lines. You're also blocking your own sight lines. You yeah. can't. And, and, and part let's of talk, let's talk about let's talk about shrinkage. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Well, that's 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 one thing. But I'm also going to say, and, and I'll lead you right into that. Uh, what I'm also going to say is, you can't see the people coming up the aisles and half of doing a good convention is being up on your hind legs and being prepared with each one of these people say, what am I going to say to this person? How would, you know, cause you can tell the different types of people that are coming along and you're going to say something, hopefully a little bit different based on who they're presenting as. So you should be looking up and down your sight lines, getting ready for who's coming up and you got to be careful because the one guy coming up might be a thief. So that brings us to shrinkage. Yeah. Shrinkage is, it's a marketing way to say theft. Yeah. You're going to put a lot of items out on the table. And if you can't see it, odds are good. It's going to walk away. Yep. Even if you can see it, odds are good. It's going to walk away. And it's not because conventions are full of thieveries. I, I would say nine times out of 10, when I lose something off the table, there are a lot of people that attend these conventions that just think that things are free. Right, right. I know that sounds terrible, but particularly small items, if you're selling pins or buttons or prints, which a lot of people seem to think are postcards for some reason, <laughs> I can't tell you how many people I've caught that they're not they're not even thinking about it. They just grab, they're talking to somebody, they grab it and they go to throw it in their bag mm. and you go, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. That costs $5 or $10 or whatever. And they right. go, oh, I thought this was free. That's a running gag with creators too. Is this free? This is the reason that I've got a rule against anybody putting anything on my table. Because you'll see this happen all the time. Ugh. Somebody will come up to your table and they'll put their backpack full of shit. I just shit. need to set this here for a minute. Yeah, right. no. No. And, the, and, the, and your answer to that as a conventioneer is no. I cannot let you do that because number one, you probably got original art and stuff out there that they're bending all up or they put their sweaty water bottle down on it. And you cannot allow them to do that just out of respect and keeping your stuff nice. But also, and I've seen this happen firsthand, the move is you put your backpack down on something. Then when you talk for a little while, then when you're getting ready to go, you grab your backpack from the bottom, but you're grabbing whatever that backpack was sitting on. Yeah. Like, like a money box and you up and off and you've got, you've got the thing. Now that's, that's your number two tip. That's number two. <laughs> that, now that didn't happen to me personally, but I've seen that happen to somebody and that's exactly what the guy did. Put the backpack down and then scooped away the money box who, you know, which he had kind of as a dope had it sitting on the table. Money behind the table. What about pricing? Has anybody got any recommendations on pricing stuff? Things that I've got on my list for pricing is that you should always make your prices visible. Whether you take a little package of post-it notes and put them on the post-its uh, or stickers or, or whatever you do, get the price uh, out there. I like to do little cards. Like Scott, you know how when we get to a show, I'll hand you a little stack of cards mm -hmm. because I like the little handwritten element. But in terms of pricing, if it's got a fixed price, don't change it. To me, one of the biggest goofs is you hit a show and you're discounting stuff. Unless yeah. you've got an inventory that you're trying to clearance, which goes back to the why you should attend a convention. So unless you've got a whole bunch of something that you're just trying to dump, you don't discount at shows. People are coming to shows with money. They're coming to buy. Yeah. They're not, it's not a flea market. They're not, don't haggle. There's, you're not looking for a deal. Set a price and stick to it. That goes back to one of the oldest arguments in, in comic conventions. Should I charge for a sketch? Yes. This one gets debated back and forth all the time. I think you absolutely should charge for a convention sketch unless the person's buying a book, in which case you say, but if you buy a book, I'll do the sketch inside the book for free. 
that becomes like a value add. I've knocked so many people from maybe to yes by that free sketch. And, and that you just do a little headshot sketch in there. They're happy. You're happy. Everybody's happy. Yeah. Sketch in a book. What do you think, Scott? Less than a minute? Like it should be real fast. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say a minute, under a minute. Certainly they're not getting to choose. It's not a commission. No. Right, you know, there's a difference between a commission and a sketch. Right. Um, that commission, you, you that, that you should absolutely feel okay pay, getting somebody to pay for. If somebody comes up yeah. with a book. And it, and they call it a sketchbook. It's a commission book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. we call those sketchbooks, and that's fine. But they're they need to pay for what goes in that yeah. book. And and nine times out of ten, they'll be okay with it. And if they're not okay with it, you don't want their money, right? I and and uh, the thing that the thing that I can't stand is when they'll come up with a theme book, mm-hmm. and now I've got a. <laughs> uh, I think that's an important point too. A, it's okay to say no. Yeah. Oh, I did. Did I ever tell you guys about this? I was at one convention and this guy came up with a sketchbook and he says, oh, I want you to do a sketch in my sketchbook. And I said, no problem. And I showed him the prices I had for uh, sketches. And he says, oh, no, no, I don't want a commission. I just want a sketch. And I said, oh, that's, that's fine. Sketches cost the same as commissions. And he says, no, no, no. I don't want you to spend any time on it. Just a real quick sketch. And I go, I don't do real quick sketches because those look <laughs> shitty. And then I got to put my name on it. And then you walk around with this book that's got this, that makes it look like I don't know how to draw. I, I don't do that. I do. Yeah. I do a, a, a commissioned illustration. I don't want, I just, he goes, all you got to do is put pen to pen. This guy went back and forth with me. I shit you not for 20 minutes. And it was like an Abbott and Costello routine where I kept saying, I don't do that. He says, I just want a sketch. And I said, fine, pay me money. <laughs> he went back and forth. And, and, and finally, he put the pen in my hand. I did a sketch that looked like I was holding it in my ass cheeks uh, and, and didn't sign, went up and down with my pen, didn't even spell my name and got him the fuck away from me. It was one of the worst experiences ever. This guy was not going to take no for an answer. Well, while, yeah. while we're here, let's transition into <laughs> etiquette because ah, that's really good. Yeah, man. Networking and etiquette, do's and don'ts for creators and fans is the next topic on our agenda, kids. And I know we want to get there. I'll tell you right now, if you're attending a convention as a creator or as a fan, just use common sense. Yeah. I hate that we have to say this, but in all regards, no means no. Yeah. Brad didn't want to do that sketch. <laughs> cosplay is not consent. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I hate that we have to say that in this day and age, but there's so much cosplay at shows right now. And this has become a real issue. <laughs> Just because somebody's dressed up doesn't give you permission to take their picture. That might sound crazy to you, but that it doesn't. Right. Or anyone else for that matter. And, uh, man, if I see one more Twitch IRL dude come up to my table. I'm warning, I'm warning you now. I'm IRL warning you guys, with peace and love. Listen. No, I'm I am dead fucking serious cuz I'm done. 2018 is the year where if you walk up to my table with a fucking rig on your back oh. and a camera on the front and you start filming my shit and you haven't talked to me yet, that yeah. camera's coming off. I'm gonna, <laughs> I am dead serious. I have not dealt with that. I have not consented to be recorded. I have not consented to be recorded. Nowhere in the show kit or rules does it say that I've consented to be recorded. That you've got to ask permission. Mm. No means no. And not asking means no. (laughs) Also, there's this new thing. It's a personal, uh, little personal camera that almost you wear like a lapel pin. It's like a little box. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, it takes Talking uh, about a GoPro or the one that just takes pictures. No, it takes like time lapse. Yeah, so yeah, you can yeah. walk through the whole con. Yeah. That, that one bothers much. So this is going to sound really weird, but uh, bear with me. Um, don't talk to me through a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> At no point that cool or funny or uh, original. I don't care that you have a show um i'm not talking to you through a pub what's funny is that I've, I, I i've done it once you've done it more and than it was one. acceptable well i've done it once where it was acceptable and that was robert smigel and it was it triumph the insult comic that's dog. right that's right <laughs> and he said to me said to me what are you selling here it's obviously not weight loss products <laughs> 
And then the best part was, <laughs> the best part was, I said, oh, I'm selling this. And I hold up a skull plush. And he goes, so basically it's you, but blue. <laughs> and I went, yeah. And then immediately after he's done, the puppet comes down and Robert Smigel goes, thank you so much. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> We, we think what you're doing is great. We love the show. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Now I just got to get Rickles to insult me. I'm yeah. honored. Yeah. 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 But no, don't, don't talk to me through a puppet. Also, I don't want to be on your podcast. Oh, no. That's the a convention be- is the worst time yeah. to come up to me yeah. and say, will you be on my podcast? And, and as someone who's going to be recording people for this <laughs> podcast, well, no, I'm just going to throw this out there. Like, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I have my task cam and I'm going to South and I'm going to, I'm going to get some interviews for us. Mm-hmm. I'm setting that stuff up in advance. Right. Don't right. just show up and ask. It's not the legwork. Yeah. No, don't the thing. Don't bring your rig up and set up a camera and expect no, me to no. say I'm Scott Kurtz and I say listen to douchebag radio. Uh, <laughs> God, the puppet thing. It's funny because now that you say that, I can think of multiple no. times where someone's come up with a fucking puppet and wants to Yeah. They uh, It's so weird, man. It's so weird. Don't 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 do that. <laughs> I had some guy walk up like in zombie makeup with a top hat and like a vest. He walks up and he goes, hello. And I went, no. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Turn right around. (laughs) Take that shit back to where it's from. (laughs) Because the answer is no. Uh, We did a lot of don'ts for fans. I, you know, my big don't for fans, or maybe it's a do, I guess it could go both ways. You, especially because of social media today, you think, you know, the person that you're going to to meet and to talk to, and you don't, you don't really know them. You don't. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, for this is, I'll put this I'll I'll, I'll phrase this positively in the do's category. Do introduce yourself. Yeah. Do, oh yeah. Don't ever be worried about coming up and saying like, like so many times I've seen somebody like nervous to come up and talk to Scott and they're like, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what, all you got to do is say hi. You know, we that, that, that is cool. Coming up and just a genuine, hi, how are you? My yeah. name is, I've been reading yeah. since. That is great. You don't, you, you don't ever as a fan, you don't ever have to worry about coming up and entertaining us. I think the introduction no. is important though, because you, yeah. it's so, it's so easy to forget in this day and age, you know, because of these interactions that we have on social media, we sort of make the assumption that we know these people or in a lot of cases, fans, they know more about you like as a fan, I, and I've, I've been guilty of this in the past. I've come up to people and started chatting with them about stuff and realized, oh, fuck, I know this stuff because I know who this person is. Yeah. They don't know who I am. They have no idea. So, you know, introduce yourself. Hi, oh. my, my name's, you know, hi, Scott. My name's Corey. I've read your content for a really long time. I follow you on, on Twitter, even though I know you're not posting them very often, but I follow you on Instagram now. And that's really nice. You got lots of good pictures. Like, Take that moment just to to establish that connection. Do introduce yourself. And if your primary uh, exchange has been on social media, mention that. If, if, if that's the primary uh, exchange, I I may be a doofus. I might not put one and one together. I think those rules go for creators too. I I think yeah. sometimes, sometimes creators forget to introduce themselves mm-hmm. because you don't always – I mean – you don't always know who somebody is. Right. And until they introduce themselves and you go, Oh my God, I know who you are. I'm familiar with your work. Yeah. I saw that thing you made. I saw that uh, a big one for me uh, as cosplay takes off more and more. I'll meet some cosplayer that I really like and have no idea who they are because I've only ever seen them in cosplay. Yeah. So it's like, you have to introduce yourself to me because I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to recognize <laughs> you otherwise. Please. <laughs> And don't be upset. Uh, I, I got over this one real fast doing conventions. I call it con aphasia because you see, oh. you see so many people. Yeah. It just becomes, oh, yeah. Scott, Scott calls it con face. Like everyone just becomes a slate. I don't remember anyone I meet at a con. Yeah. I think there's exceptions to that rule, but yeah, it starts to, particularly by the, the second or third day, all the interactions start to meld together. And mm-hmm. when you're doing you know, 10 of these a year or whatever, and you've been doing them for 10 or 15 years, it all becomes 
it all mushes yeah. into one big show. And yeah. so don't be, and, and the reason why I say that is don't be upset. Do introduce yourself. Even if you've introduced yourself before, don't get upset if particularly with me, because this happens a lot, people will come up to me and start chatting and I'll interrupt the conversation and I'll go, I'm so sorry. I know I know you. I cannot remember your name. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Ooh. do introduce yourself. Don't get upset if people don't remember you. I think that's good for creators and fans alike. Networking. Don't just don't give me a business card. Yeah. Unless unless we've talked about doing business, then that's great. But don't yeah. just walk up and hand me a business card and no, walk away. That's that's that, not cool. I rarely take business cards anymore. I used to carry around all the time. Now, if I need to exchange something with somebody while we're standing there talking, mm -hmm. I'm going to write an email and shoot it to them. Yeah. Because I don't want your business card. It's going to no. get recycled. Now, for creators, make business cards and have them <laughs> at your table. So people can go around like <laughs> I, I need you to have a business card, but I don't mm -hmm. need you to give it to me. Right. So I need you to have a business card so that when I walk around, doo -doo 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 -doo, I'm working around and like, Oh, that's a cool thing. And then I take your business card because yeah. it's on your table. Don't come up to my booth and say, Hey, I make mugs and hand me a business card because yeah. I'm going to throw, it's going right in the trash. Put a little thought into the information you're putting on your business card. I, I had a set of business cards. I put everything on it, my address, my phone number, my email, and I'm sitting there. I've got this stack of business cards that all these people are walking by and I, and, it, and the thought just keeps crossing my mind. Now that guy has my home address. Now that <laughs> guy has my that? phone number. <laughs> because I'm Hi, a, are you doofus? listening to this podcast right now? <laughs> Are you super confused? Well, me too, because we just told you, don't hand me your business card. No one wants that, but have business cards, but don't give them to me. I think there's a difference. Just don't no, make them, he's, he's, but he's make sure you have the right all. information on the ones that you made. He's saying have business cards, but you know what I'm saying? No one to hand them out, make, no one to hold them. Make three business cards. Don't show me. Wait for me to ask. And if they have the right information on it, then you get a prize. <laughs> we make business cards and we put them on our table. That's pretty much what we do. And and I can't tell you how many times someone has come up and asked us for a card that we don't have. So, like, oh, this is really cool. Do you have a card? Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and if we don't or if, uh, if business is going down and someone asks me or Corey for my card, then, of course – we don't have one. So they, they are good to have in case someone asks and then you want to have one because business might get done. Uh, but walking around and just handing people stuff is probably going to end up with wasting money for Wait, everyone. Doesn't it seem like, doesn't it seem like a lot of etiquette comes down to asking permission? Yeah. It's not that complicated. It just ask. Yeah. You know, can I take your photo? Can we stand together? Can I, can I give you this? Can I give you this, please? Yeah. Can I give you this comic? Yeah. Also, I will not eat what you bring me. <laughs> no. That's just a, I will not eat the food you offer me. That's a no. good rule of thumb for creators too. Don't eat the things that fans bring you. Yeah. Yeah. Please, it's, it's hard please, to resist. Please don't. Please don't. I know, I know fans are cool and you don't have anything to worry about, but please, please don't eat the thing they bring you. You never know what you might be allergic to that's in there. If you're in any of the West Coast states, it's going to have pot in it and then you're high <laughs> at the show. All right, post show. Post show. You've got to do a P&L. Profit and loss. It's, it's easier than it sounds. Take, yeah. take all of the monies you made for all of the things you sold subtract all of the cost of those things, the convention, the hotel and travel and your food. And mm -hmm. then that tells you how much money you really made. That tells you what's called your net profit. Under that topic of honest accounting that we talked about last week. Remember, if you've got a book on your table, it costs you $20 to make and you sell it for $30. You did not make $30. You made $10. Yep. That's what I mean by the cost Do of the all the honest accounting. That's what I mean by the cost <laughs> of all the things. If you have, you know, if you have a hundred books and you sold 50 of them, then when you figure out your calculation, you have your total gross. That's how much money's in your bag at the end. That's all mm -hmm. the money that you've got with you. Subtract however much each of those 50 books that you sold cost. Put yeah. that, put that in the subtraction column along with your hotel and your travel and your food and your shipping and your everything. 
final thing here. What do you guys consider makes a show a success or a failure? This is the hard question. And I think this is the question. If you've been doing shows, this is the question you got to ask your, ask yourself to determine whether or not you should continue to do a show. Well, I know that you guys are pretty adamant that cons are break-evens or or you can't make much profit. I am still going to say that the way I determine if a show is successful is if I made a significant profit. Hmm. I just do. Otherwise, I could have been staying home uh, cranking stuff into my Patreon. Yeah. I I mean, I don't disagree. I think that's a good – listen, money is a really good way to figure (laughs) out whether or not something was successful. I think that the Mm -hmm. the good – it's a good metric for success is how much did you make? Right. I do think there are other things that make a show successful. I get, yes. I get a lot of business done on a, on a convention floor personally. You do. You do. I've seen it. I've seen it happen, but you go out there and make that happen. Right. Uh, in other words, uh, if, if, if you're going out there thinking that that moment where you dropped a business card on somebody's table and walked away was networking, you weren't really networking. No. And you no. know, if you think that you handed out 300 flyers and you did promotion, uh, again, I'll go into what I said last week. Uh, if it ain't clickable, it, it ain't promotion. Most of those got thrown away as soon as they turned the corner. So I, I, I think in realistic terms, what was your networking and what was your promotion? I think that you could also use to determine if the show was a success or not. I mean, if you want to network, step one is get a puppet. <laughs> that's that's really the bridge you got to cross right there. It, it you know what it lets you talk to people about things you wouldn't be able to talk to them about i you never just, know what, i never know which set of eyes i'm supposed to be looking into please don't please address only address the puppet please only address the puppet um how do you know if it's a good show I think I only had one good show. Mm. Tell, tell me. It was a show in Oklahoma, and it was right after Wizard had done an article about PvP. And I was at a table with Mark Wade and Kurt Busick, and Mike Waringo was sitting right next to me, and Todd DeZago was at the table, and Craig Rousseau was there. And I turned to Angie, and I said, we should go. I do not belong at this table. <laughs> I don't fucking belong at this table. And... uh Mike Waringo turned to me and said, hi, I'm Mike. What's your name? I said, Scott Kurtz. He goes, Scott Kurtz draws PVP. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, oh, I love that comic. And then the whole table kind of erupted because they had read the article or they read the comic and they made me feel very, very welcome. And I was like, oh, maybe I am a part of this world. Yeah. And it's like, uh, we spent the whole weekend, you know, I got to talk to people like Mark Wade and Kurt Pusick and talk shop. And then, I got them all to sign the program and I framed the program and then that was all downhill from there. Every show after that. <laughs> but I think that if I look back on shows that stand out for me, there are moments like that. They're not moments where we went, wow, we did really good. We made a lot of money. Yeah. They're not financial um, moments. No. And I mean, look, it's great to make money and, and you want to have a good show and it's a great feeling when you do. I just feel like th- there's there's two parts of it. There's you know, is the con good for the business? Is 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 the con good for you as a creator? Uh, you know, I've had book signings and I've had conventions that were good for me as a creator, and those are the moments that stand out. The stories that you have afterwards, the fun times you had with people. One of my favorite moments is at C two E two, and Brad and I sat down with Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor and talked oh, them for God. an hour. I was so excited about being able to meet her. They were both so and then, cool. And then uh, later that night, we were at a bar and we saw Jim Lee in the corner. And I said to Brett, I got to do it. I got to go up and say hi. I'm, yeah. I just got to be the dick that goes up and goes, <laughs> hi, I'm Scott Kurtz. I'm a big fan. And Brad's like, do it. Just fucking do it. Yeah. So I walk up and Jim's talking to Heidi McDonald, who's a blogger and a comics blogger. And I walk up and I go, hey, I'm a... Uh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. I'm just such a huge fan. I just, I would, it would be, I would kill myself and kick myself if I didn't say hello. And Jim turns to me and goes, shut the fuck up, Scott. Hey, I want to talk to you about that blog post you made about um, digital comics. Because I think you're right. I think we're pricing them wrong. I don't think it should be at 35 cents like you say, but I don't think they should be regular cover price. And I really want to talk to you. And I'm like, 
I'm looking at Brad and I'm like, what happened? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, your jaw just physically dropped. It was great. I think at the end of the day. But those the, are the moments. Yeah, yeah, it's the ancillary benefits. Well, how do we wrap this up? Has anybody got an interesting way to wrap it up this week? Yeah, I, I um, what have I learned? <laughs> oh, are we going to go back to that? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do I do have an idea, but it's it's out there. It's Let's a high it. concept wrap up. Let's hear it. It's a okay. It, it's a game show. <laughs> I've, got, okay. I've got I've got three questions. You guys gotta buzz in. And, and the winner gets to do like the uh the close of the show, gets to do the show credits, remind people to give us a five star reading on iTunes and stuff like that. Boy, there's crickets. <laughs> well, I don't understand what you're saying. I, I get it, and I'm okay with it. But I, you know, I got to edit this together. So whoever wins this game show of Brad's has to actually do the recording. It's either going to be me or Scott. <laughs> Not the recording. You just got to, you can just say that this has been surviving. Oh, okay. Yeah, blah, yeah, blah. Let's just do, do it off the top sure. of your head. Wait, All right. So what, like it's a game show? It's a game, game show question. Yeah. How do we buzz in? You can either do a buzzer, you make a sound effect on your iPhone, say ding, ding, ding. It doesn't have to be fancy. I'm, I'm ready, ready. I'm ready. ready. Okay. All right. So back in the early days of newspaper production, there were sheets of transparent film with adhesive on one side and dots on the other. And these things were called Benday patterns. Who is the creator of the Benday pattern? Are you talking about, are you talking about those screen tones? Yeah. Yeah. They're called Benday dots. Who is the creator of the Benday dots? Ding, 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 ding. Go ahead. John Benday. No, Benjamin Day. No, but no points awarded. Now, <laughs> Benjamin Day was the son of a 19th yeah. century publisher ma- named Benjamin Henry Day. Benjamin Henry Day became famous for what? <laughs> oh, shit. This is crashing and burning. What the <laughs> fuck kind of shit? What the fuck? What plan was this? He became famous for the first penny newspaper in American journalism. How the fuck would we know anything about it? What the fuck? Going. How do we know that? Really? Give us some more. Give us some more. This is a okay, great. Well, here's, a good here's the last one. <laughs> the, the interesting thing here is that during Benjamin Henry Day's time, all the newspapers were 10 cents. He priced his at one penny and became the first attention merchant. Because he was the yes. first newspaper to actually go oh. on the advertising model. How did he? Right. How did he uh, gin up his cir- circulation other than the low price ding, point? Ding, ding, no, ding, I ding, 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 go ahead. Ding, 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 I heard ding, 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 ding first. He he invented fake news. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that, ah. I thought those were kind of interesting little factoids that all together. I have a I have a question. Oh, I'm ready. In 2018, um, a podcast host came up with a really shitty way to end a podcast. What was his name? Ding ding ding! Brad fucking Corey. You know what? For that, I'm gonna. Just for that, Brad Geiger, you have to close the show. For for putting us through that travesty. (laughs) Well, this has been Surviving Creativity on behalf of myself. Scott Kurtz and Corey Cassoni, we want to say thank you so much for listening. Hey, head over to Patreon, be a supporter, patreon.com slash surviving creativity. And listen, if you want, head over to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, say some nice things. It doesn't cost you a thing, but it helps us tremendously in being able to get this show out to more and more people and spread the love. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Yeah, did I say that? <laughs> No, I, yeah, you do. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting punch drunk over here. <laughs>